Welcome. This is All the Fuck In, a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These are conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning. If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place. And a quick note on our content, we believe self-care is radical and non-negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether. Welcome back to All the Fuck In. We're excited to have Daje on the podcast. Uh, You might know Daje as the story doula. Um, Her work has evolved over the last few years, and Lauren and I have been um, in certain client circles with Daje, I'll say, and we've been watching this evolution and it's just really inspiring to uh, see the creativity that Daje is producing and part of, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Daje, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, your pronouns, um, social location, your astrological signs? Um, My name is Daje. My pronouns are she and they. I'm located at in the hills of East Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains, and I'm a black femme. I am a bona fide Gemini. Uh, I'm an Aquarius moon and a Libra rising. <laughs> Lauren's like, <laughs> I'm an Aquarius moon, so is Michelle Cassandra Johnson. That's so interesting. Let's have deep analytical chats together. Yes. <laughs> So Daje, share a bit about, like, I would love to hear how you describe the work you're currently offering and a bit more about how you got to this moment in doing what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I describe the work that I do as like narrative medicine making. So on Instagram, I go by the story doula. And all of this was sort of divine because I think maybe I'm part witch or something, you know, or something like that. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what label to call me, but I love the spiritual realm and I love the physical realm and I love where those two realms meet in the middle. And that middle ground is what I call the tension. And in that tension, I think we have so many different kinds of possibilities that we can explore together as a humanity. Um, And that those possibilities are what I identify as narrative stories. Um, And sometimes we get caught up in stories that hurt, stories that ache. Um, Whoa, communications are happening. (laughs) That Gemini thing. Hopefully you can edit that out. Oh, no Um, worries. We're cool with rolling with all kinds of weird things that come on the show. Um. But yeah, so I call that place the tension and narratives come out of that place. And sometimes it's humanity. We, we, uh, we track in the narratives that, you know, are achy because that's a part of the human experience, shadow and light together integrated in this one ball of experience and divinity. Um, and I think that, you know, there, 
I don't think that there's any separation between the creative process and what we think branding is. Um, I don't think there's any separation between the tension and what we experience as a person's story and encountering a business or brand or an idea. I think everything is interconnected in this weaving web of emergence and goodness. Um, and we're really powerful in that when we can, we can connect the dots in that way, I believe. So. That's yeah. Just, yeah. Can you tell us too, I mean, I, Lauren and I met you when you were going by Daje X on Instagram and we watched <laughs> you take on um, the story doula. Like, how did you arrive at the story doula? What was that evolution like? Yeah. So story doula came to me in an impression. So if you are witchy and you are, you receive intuitive hits or psychic hits, kind of like that. Um, I had a, a psychic hit uh, months and months ago when I got off of a one month tour because I'm also a songwriter um, and I have joined the circus and I'm that kind of person, okay? Full on Gemini, you're getting it all here. <laughs> And I was just working on Brave School that time. It was right after our first, launching the first iteration of Brave School. And I just had this hit of like, you know, this wave of like sheer terror and, and excitement in my body, like feeling into this idea that I'd almost given up on many, many, many times. And I heard in the ether, in the liminal space, in the tension from spirit, however you want to define it. Um, what if you tried thinking of yourself as a narrative doula? Because I was coming up on all of these like con these restrictions in, in my body. Like I don't like the idea of brand. I don't like the term branding. Um, and I was a brand strategist at the time and I had been full-time entrepreneur for a year and a few months and did the whole struggle through the first year thing. And I realized, you know, like maybe this isn't a fit for me. Maybe branding as I know it isn't a fit for me. And then I just made that evolution of like, these are ideas. These are stories. These are creative processes. And we as creative people are putting our work out in the world. Why do we call that branding? What if they're just ideas that need to be birthed um, and need to be cared for like children, right? So making those connections in my mind was, was a part of that. So I started like trying it on, you know, in, in my Instagram, like, you know, you know, a little section about me section. I just put story doula there for a while. And then I just had this switch at the end of the summer when I decided, you know, after a whole lot of paradigm shifting, like massive wave paradigm shifting, it was just like, I, I don't care if people think I'm intense because I am intense. Um, and I'm here because one, I want to be here. I want to be alive on this planet right now. Sometimes, most of the time, that's complicated um, human experience story. But like, also, um, I, I feel like I have work to do. And part of that work is about helping creators breathe in their process. It's about helping creators finding, find a home and find like, like comfort in the process of getting out their ideas. So Story Doula was born and I just changed my handle from there. I was like, fuck it, I'm doing it. <laughs> I love those fuck it moments, right? Like, it's so, um, and I, I, there's so many things that you said that I want to thread together. So first of all, I'm very fortunate that I'm, I would consider myself one of your clients. I don't know if you would mm -hmm. consider me a client, I do. but I, yeah. I did a couple, um, are you still calling them brave sessions? The one-on-ones, yep. um, for anyone listening, whew, like <laughs> talking about leveling up. And I really related when you talked about helping creators breathe, because that's what those felt like to me. It felt like a big exhale, mm. spaciousness in, in what I was putting out there. And um, as I'm envisioning next year, I'm coming back to those conversations so much. So I'm so, so grateful uh, for the way that you are showing up in your work and the way that you um, 
are, are inviting others to do that too. It, it feels just expansive. Like you're not in the boxes anymore and you're helping other people not be in the boxes. I just love it so much. Um, and I want to go back to what you were saying about all this paradigm shifting because one of our conversations in these brave sessions, I asked you, okay, when we met, I guess it was back in January, February, when we first connected, mm -hmm. totally in a different context about a client and some work that we were going to do together. Mm -hmm. You were doing completely different work. I mean, not completely different, but very different um, mm -hmm. in the way that you were approaching your work. And I know you mentioned that your learning about your human design specifically started opening a lot of things. So I would love to hear more about this paradigm shift and how that happened, what kicked it off, all of that good stuff. Yeah. I realized how much of a people pleaser I was. Um, and how many of, how many of my own stories that I was holding that I was tracking into um, were birthed out of just not feeling good enough. Um, daddy issues, like, you know, we subconsciously brings that into our work and it's not a bad thing. It's actually kind of beautiful when it can be integrated, right? It's texture. And I realized I had all of these unintegrated textures sitting on top of my body, on my skin. I just needed to like, you know, it was like, I was a little ashy. I needed to rub some lotion in. <laughs> it was kind of, it was that kind of paradigm shift where I was like, oh, like this idea of me being an empath was not me being an empath, but me reliving my trauma through quote unquote empath situations, oh. right? And, and I had like, yeah, I was doing branding um, and yeah, I was like, doing like all these things but that's when i started unpacking like this people pleasing part i started giving myself permission to identify oh i have adhd oh i'm a projector in human design oh like my work style doesn't look like have to look like this and it doesn't have to look like this like i am not someone who can sit at the computer and produce assets for hours and hours and hours and hours and that's what i've been doing since college like as a designer, as a creative person. And I realized that's not me. Yeah. That's a story I was believing about myself and my life because one, colonialism. And then two, like I just didn't have access to the proper tools to get to know myself. And then three, I just didn't know myself fully at that time, right? Um, and so I just had this really beautiful paradigm shift where I was like, well, um, I'm really not here for, I'm not here to, uh, to take on the emotional labor of white men because I was, I was dating a, a, a white man at the time and I stopped dating him. And then too, <laughs> isn't that always the story? <laughs> yes, like the moment you say like, this relationship is over and then suddenly it's like, Oh, yes. <laughs> this has been a theme. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and I keep coming back to this. It's so true. Yeah. Whether they're white men or not, though, clearly there are certain experiences <laughs> to right. be had with whites as men. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, if it was, I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm dating a white cis man right now, and he, he's wonderful. <laughs> like, he's great. You know, he is yeah. such a dream, right? But, at the time, like I was so locked up on this subconscious train, my entire like world shifted on like a surface level where I, well, not even on a surface level, I just like on every level. And then it shifted again right before um, all the George Floyd stuff happened, happened when I started really learning about my human design. Sorry about that. Um, can I pause and grab my earphone so you don't totally hear? do yeah, it? No problem. Yeah, and we'll have to include some some human design stuff in the show notes for people who aren't familiar. That's what I'm thinking, and I really want to hear Daje. I want to hear you continue this thought, and I want to hear like my understanding of projectors in human design are people who can like envision and dream, but not necessarily see the 
the nitty gritty stuff through and like execute and complete. And so I, I want to hear you finish what you were saying about these, like these paradigm shifts that you've been going through basically over the last year or so. Um, and I want to hear you talk about like how as a projector you're getting so much shit done. Cause it seems like from my, from what I'm witnessing, it feels like you are getting shit done, you know? Yeah. Well, I would say that that's not quite how I learned, uh, a- what projectors are okay, okay. and not how I see it. I think that um, projectors, it, like it's so nuanced because a soul, because human design is a calculation of how your aura impacts other people, right? It's literally a calculation of how like that energetic body around you uh, affects people and affects your life, right? And so for me, um, I have... I'm a right angle cross of the ruler and a two four in my definition, which basically means that um, I I am a hermit to the core, um, and I'm I'm multi passionate, multi hyphenate, um, and that hermit nature allows me to explore. Um, and that four definition allows me to share those explorations in ways that feel intimate. Oh. That right angle cross, so you have the left angle and the right angle. The left angle is, um, it's kind of how you make things happen, how you manifest things, right? So the left angle is about getting into the details for sure. The right angle is about being able to see the bigger picture. So um, for me, it does help to like, have the whole outline done before I go into the details. So, and the cross of the ruler is about like me being sovereign over my turf, my land. So it's like all over my chart. My North node is in Sagittarius. Like I like have all of, like I have all of this evidence, like I'm here to take the land back type energy. (laughs) So I I, I do have (laughs) to like, I, I do love to get into the nitty gritty and get things done, but from the perspective of being able to see the whole, being able to see like the whole wiring. So for projectors, most projectors have this ability to take a look at a system, um, go to bed after looking at that system and wake up having understood like all the wirings. That's projector energy. Like our superpower is sleep. <laughs> So we perceive it all and then we go to bed, we nap on it, and then we wake up with the answer. And it's like, I I know the whole system now. (laughs) And you're able to like, just kind of like do the, do the thing. That's how it works for me. (laughs) That feels very very Aquarian to me too. Like, like like the big visions, like to me, you are, yes, your paradigm personally has shifted. And to me, I think about you as a paradigm shifter Mm. on this planet right now. And I'm so glad that you are here (laughs) to do that Mm. because yeah, like from what you just described, what's all over your chart, we need that so badly. Um, And the way that you're shifting, how lots of people almost give themselves permission with how to honor who they really are, like their natural wiring. Um, that's, that's something I learned from watching you too. Mm, Lauren, do you know your, what's your human design? Do you know? I'm a generator. Okay. Um, Okay. so, and Daje would know more about this than me, but my understanding (laughs) is we, our job is to respond and not to necessarily go out and get Mm -hmm. things that we want. Although I'm an Aries, so that's hard for me. Um, so. <laughs> I'm also dating an Aries who's a generator. <laughs> so I'm like, it makes sense that we're working together. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. Um, and generators, like ideally in a perfect world, we go to bed exhausted. Like we've spent, not exhausted, but we've spent all of our energy for the day. We wake up, filled back up and we need to do things that, that, that use up our energy in that healthy way. Um, and where I get out of balance is, you know, in the past when I've not, used my energy in areas that were aligned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know yours, cool. Tristan? I do, but I don't know anything about it. I just know I'm a manifesting generator. Oh, I knew shit. it. <laughs> Daje's like, yeah. Called it. Called it. <laughs> Should have said, what do you think I am, Daje? <laughs> I called it. <laughs> yeah, I hear it's very fitting and that it makes perfect sense, but I'm, I'm at the very, very baby beginning stages of understanding any of this. And I keep looking at the charts and like... <laughs> 
I mean, that whole yeah. system and structure is just like, woo! Like, <laughs> I have a hard time wrapping my, my head around the stars. So this is like next level understanding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you been working with a coach or a teacher or a guide, or have you just been like independent study all the way and learning this stuff? Um, I did learn my human design when my coach guide healer found me. <laughs> Literally, she like lives in India, and I was <laughs> I was biking home from this guy's house or whatever, <laughs> like mad. <laughs> Classic projector story. Um, and she was like, "Hey, I feel your energy. Are you doing okay? Like, what's going on? And like, am, is somebody is she watching me? Like, it's." 12 it's midnight I'm biking home from a dude's house really mad like what is going on um and she found me and she was like hey let's just let's just start working together and she had me pull my human design off that and she was like oh this makes a lot of sense um first of all go to bed because (laughs) hello and then second of all try to cut your work hours in half which I at first did a really good job with and now I struggle with so it's give and take there um, yeah. And it's kind of been all uphill from there. We worked together on some energy work for a while, which was part of my paradigm shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's been good. Yeah. What I'm hearing is that healing has been really central to this mm-hmm. paradigm shift too. And I'm curious about, you know, the way that you work with your clients in brave school and one-on-one folks like myself, um, do you, do you consider yourself a healer on a level or do you consider the work that you do healing? I think I, I think I do identify with the term healer. I, I identify with the term um, design, the, the healing as design or design as healing more just because of the way that I think about design and creative process it feels like a healing modality to me, hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so I think that the work that I do can be healing. It's healing for me every single day um, because it's like, I think it's rooted in self-kindness. For me. It has to be for me. Otherwise I will spiral out um, because it's a lot of work in the liminal space, right? in the in-between and the uncertainty. And I love clarity so much. Um, But clarity is not God. Oh my God. That's our poll quote for this. I know. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Especially for someone with like an OCD brain like mine, where all I want is certainty and clarity. And the irony is that when you lean into that liminal space, that's when clarity can actually emerge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking hate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, I'm learning that a lot in my team relationships right now where I have an amazing ecosystem. Like people just like gravitated toward Brave School and I was like, okay, cool. Great. Like, yes. Yes, you can help me. <laughs> cool. And it feels really good to like be here with this team in and embrace liminal space together like they remind me to embrace the liminal to embrace the uncertainty that not everything can be defined when you're creating something new and i that's also part of like the branding conversation i think too not everything needs to be perfectly defined when you are birthing it not every idea wants that needs that um, babies don't come out of the womb, like, you know, sipping tea and speaking Oxford's English. Why do, <laughs> why do we expect that of businesses, of ideas, of brands, right? Brands, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know why we do that. And I think so many people, I would put myself in this category, hold themselves back from starting something because it's not perfectly formed and they don't have that clarity, um, and in your words, clarity is not God, but we've been trained in that, like that if you don't have 
this perfect business plan and you don't know how you're going to be profitable and all that shit. Um, it, it holds a lot of people back from birthing to go with that metaphor, what the world is asking for really. Yeah. It, it holds a lot of people back from, um, from a lot of that process. Not even, I think we can easily skip to the birthing process too. I do this all the time, but I think like even consummating idea, dancing with a fantasy, right? Like we keep ourselves from dancing with fantasy, with the imagination, going to bed with our dreams, right? And like we keep ourselves from that because it's too dangerous and it's not clear and it's not, you know, whatever adjective you want to apply to it doesn't feel effective yet or it doesn't feel profitable yet or it doesn't feel like whatever, you know. Safe. Safe. Yeah, we've been yeah. so conditioned to think because it's dangerous to the status quo and all these mm-hmm. systems that we're steeped in. You're reminding me of what Michelle said when we interviewed her that, you know, dominant culture limits our capacity to dream. Yep. I'm hearing a lot of. Yeah. And I also keep thinking too, like in the world of social media and using social media as a platform to, to quote, market your work, it's scary to be visible and to put yourself out there publicly. There's a lot of judgment going around, you know, Mm -hmm. and and then a lot of self-judgment and a lot of comparison. And if your idea or your product or your service or whatever it is, isn't quote, feeling safe enough, mm-hmm. then that's a really scary environment to, to lean into vulnerability and put yourself out there. And it feels like there's competition. Like there's, there's so mm-hmm. many different elements going on that are interfering with our abilities individually to just show up as we are with the thing we want to say, with the thing that we're feeling, with the thing we mm-hmm. want to offer. Yeah. It's true. And I am also really curious about how much power we're giving to that. I have this practice when I'm like, because I feel naked, like I feel bare naked a lot of the times when I'm sharing. And a lot of people perceive it to be like, you know, this unbrazen courage. Um, But I was literally just like, boohoo sobbing about this program that I'm launching two days ago because I, I'm scared. I'm scared. (laughs) It's so big. And I feel like I'm in this stage of having contractions. So I'm having, like, I have this practice of like, when I get inundated with those things, like knowing that people are comparing themselves to my work or I might compare myself to their work and that's like a dangerous line to dance or maybe I'm putting an idea out there that isn't totally polished yet but like I I want to I want to test it out and see if it's even viable or maybe I'm like reaching out to see if anybody wants to have a like a chat a conversation to talk about some ideas and explore tension together right i have this practice of well what if the worst happens and then what so i fully put myself in like in my mind in the worst situations which is be careful with that i'm not prescribing it or anything i'm not saying go do this but like i just imagine okay so what would happen if it like totally you know was a shit show and these people like held up the middle finger to me and said, F you, you're like a total fraud or whatever. Like what would happen if that happened? <laughs> um, and who still has power in the end? Mm. Yeah. So there's like, for me, there's a choice in that to make. And, and there's a choice and I can still grieve it when it happens. So there's one of, one of my pet peeves, I think, in experiencing creative process uh, in, the, in groups and in, in certain, like, especially in the uh, hashtag female entrepreneur community is like this <laughs> resistance to going through, going through the bullshit of being in, in the world, in the marketing world. I'm like, you can't just say fuck you to everybody. 
<laughs> who doesn't agree with you. Yep. <laughs> like you, like you could, uh, but is that real resilience? You can't just say fuck you to everybody who doesn't like your, your stuff. You can't just shut down the world because they don't like you. That's not how this works. Like if you want them to like you, be honest about it. If you want them to, if you want to be in this relationship with someone who like this consumer business relationship with someone who doesn't want you and your product, grieve it, feel sad about it. Fucking cry. It's hard to be rejected. Like own that shit. Just like own it all. It's good for you. Mm. It's so healthy to embrace, oh, someone doesn't want me. And I still have power in my voice, in my body. My ideas are still valid, even though they're walking around wobbly trying to find their place in the world. Just like own all of it. Let it be. You're not going to die from someone not liking what you do. But there are going to be other people who like what you do. And so imagine the worst, grieve the worst, and then keep moving. I'm getting very emotional listening to you talk. (laughs) What you're reminding me of, Daje, is like what medicine are we missing when we don't make space for that full spectrum of grief and excitement and all the messiness of... I mean, we're talking about entrepreneurship, but I think this also <laughs> applies, right? Like who we are in our uh, careers is who we are in life too. Um, yeah, because there's a, I mean, you can scroll through entrepreneur, hashtag entrepreneur Instagram. And there's so much of the opposite of what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, when clients find you, um, is it, is it challenging sometimes to, I almost feel like you might have to do some work deprogramming them from that mindset that we all get indoctrinated into in this dominant culture. Is that, does that come up with your brave school students or your one-on-one folks or anything like that? Or are they like, they're just in, they're fucking ready for what you have. Mm. It it does come up. Um, I do my best to. Uh, I do my best to allow people to explore on their own, though. So I, I allow. This is how I exercise my projector energy too. Is like, I allow people to ask questions when they're ready. So if they hear me say something, or if they hear something that resonates. Um, I never try to overexplain myself. This is, I, have an, I have an open heart center as well. So there's this tendency in me to try to prove that what I say, like what's going on coming out of my mouth is valid. I don't do that because I've already done the work. That, that, like go Google it, right? Like go Google capitalism and you will hear what I'm talking about. I don't need to prove anything. So I try not to do that. Um, and if they don't get it, I give them... I grant them the sovereignty to ask me. In my programs though, uh, we do go deep into that work. We do deconstruct because they've given me consent. So that pay line is the line of consent for me to go in. Um, and when you reach a certain like level of like <laughs> investment, I, y- you've given me consent to go in on this topic, right? And so I'm gonna break this shit apart, you know? Um, deconstruct and decolonize the way you see yourself. You are not an object. (laughs) You are not a piece of cattle to be seared and marked up by the system. Actually, your ideas don't want that. They want space and time and freedom and play and roaming and curiosity. Give them that. (laughs) And, and you, you are still you are still worthy of being paid a viable, sustainable, progressive living wage when your ideas are in the birthing process. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Both of us just exhaled so big. Cause yeah. and Tristan, I feel like I might be dominating questions. So You're tell good. me. Keep going. Because Dajay, the other thing that you blew open for me that 
has come up with other, you know, readers, coaches, healers, whatever is money. Um, and my relationship to it, because we were sitting there, you're a genius with frameworks and mapping stuff out and like how to, how to explain to people what it is that I do. So I took that away from it, but the, honestly, the biggest takeaway was how to charge for my work in a way that isn't just me scraping by. Cause you asked, well, how much do you want to make on this? And I, I did some math about rent and bills and stuff I have to do. You're like, well, what about your profitability? <laughs> like, yeah. what about not just, you know, getting by, but what would thriving look like? And it'd been a while since I've really even considered that. And, um, I would imagine that might be work that you've done for yourself too. So I don't know if there's anything you want to say about <laughs> money. Oh and my God. <laughs> oh my God. You're talking to a boho circus artist musician. <laughs> okay. I've had to do a lot of work on that <laughs> this year, especially this year was the year where the universe was like, all right, you're going to sit your ass down and you go and learn how to do these numbers because I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know that it was possible, you know, until I, I dove into it. I dove into that tension and I was like, Ooh, so it is okay to think about the fact that I want land in the next few years. And, and I don't have to put my desire to have land on anybody else's timeline, but my own. So being realistic with my own capacities, capabilities, I can be like, okay, let's plan for this. What do I need to make this happen? What do I need to not make it happen, but allow it to come through, yeah. right? Um, I need to set up my systems and frameworks, right? Like I need to like, you know, give myself time to phase into this work, but like, shoot. Yeah. I'm worthy of having fucking land. I feel my, like there's one specific ancestor who comes up in readings that people do of me. Uh, like if I sit down and have a tarot reading with somebody and they're like, I just see this one ancestor and she's like here and she's kind of like a lion. And I just feel that energy. And like, I feel her over my shoulder. Like it's time to take the fucking land back. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to take the fucking land back. This is how we're going to do it. Like, she's like the, she's like, I want to give up on brave school. She's like, no, <laughs> she's like in my ear, like, no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that specific answer. She's like, it's time to take the land back. Charge what, not what you're worth because can we break into that conversation? For Please yeah. go there. You're worth everything. <laughs> One, you're worth every fucking thing. Okay. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody tell you differently. But then also like, uh, okay. I'm just like sitting over here. Like my heart's pounding. Like, how do I say this? Like there is no arbitrary number that can ever ever, ever enumerate your worth. And this is, this is why capitalism exists because we think there's a number. We think there is a, 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 a peak to get to a crest, a mountain crest to get to. Once we get to this number, we're going to have enough, but it's never enough. The number, it's never going to be enough. If you make it about the number, like you're worthy of being able to buy organic groceries that don't have sh like shit in them like because our food industry is a little crazy right now like you know what i'm saying you are worthy of being able to buy uh and source you know ethical meats and not have your clothes made by slaves and like de completely deconstruct the whole, the entire clothing industry by making s different buying choices you're worthy of being able to like have like shoes on your feet that like will will last you more than just a few years you're worthy of like being grounded in who you are and what you put in and on your body and around it like you're worthy of the resources to make that like that base level reality happen for you. Walls around your body, a roof over your head, you are worthy. And in this system, they it, like, yes, it, it feels like kind of like an astronomical reach to like get a house, for example. 
and we're working with the system that we're in, but by working with it and moving beyond it. So going through the system to get to the other side and saying this shit can be broken open now because I've proved that it doesn't even, we don't even need it. We don't need capitalism to have wealth, abundance, goodness, joy, health, access to resources, that access to resources, baseline level humanity, like requirement. Like that, just like that just kind of throws the like, what am, what price am I worth conversation out the window? Like, it's not about your price. It's about, are your needs met? Like, do you have what you need to build the life that you want to like, live in, exist in? Is, is your family fed? Uh, do they have access to, to the, to the groceries that they need to like, you know, like, to have all of their vitamins taken care of and like clean fucking water. You know what I'm saying? Like basic resources. And it's amazing, isn't it? How basic resources cost so much money, but charge that shit. Yeah. Like I need basic fucking resources. This is my price. (laughs) I'm starting. God, I'm so blown away by this. I'm blown away too, because I feel like you know, I, I approach this conversation with some of my clients as in like, you're not just charging for the hour that you're teaching this class, or you're not just charging for the hour it takes you to do X, Y, and Z. You're also charging for all the time you spent building up to that moment to show up to teach the thing. You're charging for all the years of training. You're charging for your expertise, for your heart, for the personality, for the joy, for the presence that you bring. So it's not just the hour, right? Um, and still, I'm still thinking about it from like, but given that you are teaching for an hour, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm saying you're bringing all of those things and you're teaching for an hour. And so consider all of that when you come up with a price point. But it's like, it's like I'm putting, I don't know what the phrase is, but it's like, I, it, it, it's, I can see that my mindset is actually coming from a system that isn't aligned with actually the heart of, of the thing, right? And it's almost like I'm approaching it backwards. Like what you're saying is go, go back all the way to the fact that like you're a human being on this earth who deserves to be here and you get to charge for that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you get, you coming to the market. This is another, I'm bringing more human design into this. So my environment for all those who are familiar with human design, my environment is the market. There are several different um, environments like kitchens, mountains, sea, mine is the market. Um, and so for me, it feels really natural to think that, you know, the market is like the most basic space for us to exchange goods and resources. It's like the oldest like place of gathering, like exchanging goods to survive. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you come to the market, it doesn't have to be like this industrialized, like got to meet my quota X amount of hours. It's like, well, let's look at the way that you're wired first. How many hours does your body actually have to yield to the work? All right. And then let's look at the way that your mind is wired. How, like, what does your mind want to do? What kinds of ideas does your mind want to birth? What kind of labor does your mind want to even engage in? So coming from it, coming at it from like honoring the way that we're wired and honoring the human body for, for me feels like, okay, now I can actually engage in talking about a price point. And I never, I, 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 I never explain my prices to anybody anymore. Like nobody even asks, <laughs> no one asks. Um, and that's, that's Gucci. Cause I got to feed me and I have a team that I want to support too. So <sighs> pricing is so, anyway. So hard. There are, um, is either of you familiar with Lena West? Mm-hmm. She's a coach. Um, she's one of those people who has built this incredible company, but isn't super active on social media. She's my coach's coach. I'm pretty Mm. sure. Um, there's a podcast episode I listened to, and I'll I'll link this in the show notes. Um, Tiffany Hahn has a podcast called raise your hand, say yes. And had Lena on. Tiffany is also one of Lena's clients. And Lena was talking about, you know, for her, she also thinks about her pricing in terms of the frequency of her gift, like the higher frequency, Uh, like energetically that your gift is, 
like charge for that shit too. Oof, I gotta increase my pricing. <laughs> like I recently started charging for, I used to do free 20 minute coaching intros so people could feel it if it's a fit, right. but now I'm like, fuck it. People get a lot of value out of those. I'm charging. Yes, same, same. Yeah. Um, but another thing she said in this podcast that I loved is she said, you know, if she's traveling to do some coaching for a CEO and their team. For example, she said, in order for me to show up and do my best work, I need to sleep on really nice sheets. Like I need to be at a hotel where I feel safe and comfortable. And anyway, there was just a lot about, uh, what she needs right? In order to keep showing up with those gifts too. Um, and she also said that sometimes after she says her price to somebody earlier on, she used to like literally hold her lips together so that she wouldn't explain. And Dasha, I love that you're saying you don't fucking explain your pricing to anybody anymore. Mm-mm. Like I don't. If, if there's no other takeaway from this conversation, I hope that people hear that. Yeah. Listen, my, my past tight deadlines and sleeping weight, like not getting sleep for clients is enough explanation for me to be like, nah, I need more time and I need more money. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's just how it's going to have to be. Yeah. So <laughs> also I love that. I love that you mentioned like, I need nice sheets to do my work. Cause Hello, we're moving into more opportunities, more possibility if we want that. Like we can create that world for ourselves, right? Where it doesn't make sense for someone to be impoverished or have like a lack of like access to resources. That's that's the kind of world I want to live in where it's just like, oh yeah, obviously you have sheets that are ethically made and, and nice and a fit for your body. Like obviously. That makes sense. And yet how many times have I bought the shitty sheets from Target that last me like That's less, like, oh my God. It's, oh, this, this year in COVID, I bought some, some nice sheets and yes. I was like, wow, why I'm 38 years old. Like <laughs> how long have I been buying sheets for myself? How, why did it take me this long to buy sheets that are like actually nice? I mean, yeah, fuck. <laughs> Dasha, tell us more about, like, you're creating a whole community around Brave School. Like, what does it look like? What are people doing in that community? What are you offering? What kinds of people are part of it? Like, I want to hear some of the, like, Mm -hmm. nitty gritty. Yeah. So in Brave School, we create strategies with wild-hearted creative entrepreneurs um, who long to show up to their work without feeling like they're going to sell out their souls to capitalism and all the other shitty systems that cause us to feel afraid to use our voices. So our flagship program in Brave School is Building Brave, the Mastermind, and is a three-month program. So 12 weeks we spend together meeting live every other week, and we go into it. We deconstruct uh, the way we come to market, the way we come to market and the way that we engage people in our work, um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, we, it's a lot of talk about creative process. Um, if you want to give it another like uh, um, market, you know, industry standard name for it, it's it's a brand strategy program. Hmm. So we dive into understanding what brand strategy is, not from like the perspective of just your assets, but like how do assets fold into the greater vision of what you're building and birthing into the world. And you're doing that to support these entre- creative entrepreneurs in doing that for themselves to strengthen their own business, right? Mm-hmm. Not so that they can then go offer brand services or whatever to other people. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, but it's, I mean, it's both. Like we do have some designers in our program, mm-hmm. right? Who are wanting to crack open a new way of exploring strategy with people and just haven't quite found the words or their own like framework, for example. I hold this belief that um, there, is no, there is no framework that I can give anyone that's gonna fix their business. People might need to be empowered to build their own frameworks. Right. So that's what a lot of like online courses tend to feel like is like someone giving you a formula to fix your business. But if that person is not keyed into the way that you're wired as a founder and the way your ideas flow out of of your domain, 
um, and they don't intimately know like who you are, how you are, you know, and even, so I call it the voice of the soul, the voice of the body of the work, the very heart of tension, and then the voice of the brand. And it's kind of a progression, right? Different levels of voice that create these nuances. And if someone doesn't know intimately that about your business, no framework they could give you could ever fix it. So a lot of this work is like, yeah, we're, we're building transformational experiences with people um, and we're building processes with people, but the way I do it is not going to be the way that you're going to do it. So let's figure out how you do it, how you do it best. Let's identify your proprietary tools and assets and frameworks that provide that experience. Hmm. Yeah. It's so much more empowering that way. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I try not to uh, to come with a savior fix it mentality. I offer tools, I offer deconstruction and reimagining and reconstruction as a part of my framework development process. But I never come in and say this is going to fix your business or this is going to make you money. But the the byproduct of that of one the byproduct of getting to know yourself is that you begin to trust yourself more. And when you trust yourself, you have unlimited possibilities. You trust yourself to make, I'm, I'm not going to come in and make those choices for you, but I can show you how to create tools using tools that I created for myself and my business to, I can show you how to create your own tools for engagement, your own rules, your own domain, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what I'm hearing is self-trust, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, whatever you want to call it, is an essential ingredient for that space for your ideas to breathe, for that expansion, mm-hmm. for all that possibility that you were talking about earlier when we jumped on. Um, and I'm also wondering, because uh, I loved that you called yourself a multi-passionate, like multi-hyphenate. Uh, I relate to that. I, I'm guessing Tristan, <laughs> yeah, they're nodding. Um so, I mean, you've also started a podcast. You have a lot of different things. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're still making music. I hope you're still making music. Uh, and I'm not going to ask that question of how do you balance it all? Cause that's a lot of bullshit, but, uh, but it also, it does feel like you're doing a lot of like does. birthing all at once. Like it feels like mm-hmm. in the last six months, I've seen you birth like lots of new things. The podcast being complimentary to brave school, but like also a project in and of itself. I don't want to deter your question though, Lauren. No, no. I mean, that's, that's where I was going is how do you do it all? (laughs) (laughs) Or, or how how do I, how do I iron my clothes and my husband's clothes and (laughs) feed the cat and (laughs) And clean the house? Make time for love. (laughs) No, but, but truly like, how do you, and how, I guess I'm also curious how you're sustaining yourself while also being in this process of so much creation all at once. Yeah. It does go back to the idea of like, you know, I do believe, I believe that at every stage of design, and this is something I learned from, from white men. And it's like, they believe it. So I can too. Um, <laughs> that every stage of design, I'm, I am worth a viable, sustainable, progressive living wage. So that's what I do. I, I charge a viable, progressive and sustainable living wage. And I communicate clearly, Hey, be a part of this process with me, like be a part of this unfolding with me. Um, and people are really jazzed about that. So they come alongside and they help me build. It's very projector energy. <laughs> um, they like they help me build, and then I help them build, and it's all of a sudden it's the ecosystem. So, thinking about it from, it's not you know, none of this is like linear for me. It's all part of an ever evolving spiral, an emergence, if you will. Cue Adrian Marie Brown. Yeah, always, if you and forever, and ever. If you haven't read Emergent Strategy, <laughs> run. Don't walk to the bookstore right now. It's so true. And pick up a copy. And pleasure activism, for that matter. I like, know. They're yes. both, like, crucial key reading. It's so true. Yeah. Show notes. Yep, yeah. I know. Speaking, speaking of pleasure, uh, I love doing what I do. 
So it's really like, for me, it's really about like keying into where am I experiencing pleasure uh, and how can I make the activity, the activities that I engage in as a business owner pleasurable for me, right? Um, and if it's not pleasurable, then how can I engage with someone who finds what that thing is that I despise? How can I find a person who finds that pleasurable and just share the vision with them mm. and work with them, right? So that's the delegation piece and like, you know, like partnering up with people, collaborating. Um, how do I do it all? I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I wake up and um, I smooth out my eyebrows a little bit and, <laughs> you know, I sometimes put on clothes and then I just like dive into it. It's like a puzzle that you left the other day uh, and you're ready to get back to it. For me, that's what my work is like. It's like this puzzle and sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it, it does, it doesn't feel lonely as much anymore now that I have a beautiful scrawling ecosystem family, but it, it does feel hard, like really hard. And I, I embrace the tension as contraction, a part of the birthing process. And I do still write music. I do still write poetry because it's a part of me. It's how I express who I am. And I do love, I love podcasting because I love talking because I'm a classic Gemini. So uh, <laughs> like podcasts come out of me all the time. And then I just started to hit record. And I was like, this, it's the easiest piece of content I've ever created. I love it. Like for yeah. me, it's a podcast for me. So yeah, I'm, I could keep going, but I'm going to stop it there. Cause. Well, and I, I want to acknowledge uh, folks listening can't see what just happened, but twice now in our conversation, you've said something and I was like, oh my God, there's this post-it on the other side of the room. And I like run to get it because <laughs> I wanted to make sure I wrote it down. But um, Adaji, so much of what you're saying reminds me of, uh, so last night for the first time I listened to rather than just read um, Audre Lorde's uses of the erotic, the erotic is mm. power. Um, and when we started talking about uh, pleasure activism and Adrian Marie Brown's work that came up and in so much of what you're saying is if no one has listened to this I'm going to link it in the show notes for sure but it's about what I'm hearing is that you aren't settling for the crumbs that we have been conditioned by this culture to accept like you want more you want more for the people you work with you want more for the people uh who come across your work even if they don't work with you it, it's I don't know. Expansion is just the word that keeps coming up for me. And I'm so energized just hearing you talk. This feels like I'm in church, except way more fun. <laughs> but wait, um, tell us what's on the post-it, Lauren. <laughs> well, I mean, I can read it if you two would indulge me for a second. I want to hear it. Um, I grabbed it because I couldn't remember the, the subtitle. So it's from Uses of the Erotic, but specifically the erotic as power. So she says, the bridge which connects the spiritual and the political is formed by the erotic, the sensual, the physical, emotional, psychic, psychic expressions of what is deepest and strongest and richest within each of us being shared, the passions of love in its deepest meanings. Mm. So wow. that to me reminds me a lot of your work, Dasha. I'm going to cry. Mm. Oh, I already have at least once on this, this conversation, like full on. We're all just puddles by the end of this. I know. Is there anything, Daje, before we wrap up, because I feel like we could go on for a really long time, but is there anything that you want to share that you haven't shared? Is there anything you want to highlight, amplify, you know? I don't know. I can't think of it. I feel like I went in for a second. So yeah. <laughs> maybe people need a breather. Mm -hmm. Permission to breathe. Cool. <laughs> Lauren, well, was there anything you wanted to ask before we wrap up? Nothing to ask, just to express huge gratitude for who you are and how you show up. And I'm, and I feel this way about both of you. I mean, I'm just so grateful that we met when we did and that I don't know that, that it's been in the context of work. I mean, I, I want to cry now, um, but this work feels so sacred to me and I'm really mm -hmm. grateful to be in it with folks like you too. So yeah. yeah. Ditto. Likewise. Ditto, ditto. Yeah. <sighs> okay. 
Thank you, Tajay, for joining us. Thank you.